Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, with sports betting season in full force with the NFL kicking off this week, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS have been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base, and they have loads of bonuses. Now join now at BetUS.com and you'll receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using our bonus code CHICAGO125. They have re-up and referral bonuses also. BetUS is a known as America's favorite sports book for a lot of reasons they have all your nfl games with team and player props and load of nfl futures and odds you can bet on college football games pga golf ufc matches and more they have every bet type imaginable and the sharp bet us mobile platform is easy with full betting options so follow my lead get on your phone online and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like i did Cash in on your 125% sign-up bonus with BetUS.com with our code CHICAGO125. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up-to-date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to our first game preview of the 2021 season as we are prepared to have an in-depth discussion on the Chicago Bears' Week 1 matchup against the Los Angeles Rams. What do the Bears need to do in order to get a season-opening victory on the road? We'll figure that out, and we'll also share our X-Factors, back-breaking matchups, determine who has the edge on both sides of the ball, and much more, including some bold predictions and official game picks to wrap things up. I'm Russell DeWitt, and for this game preview episode, I'm joined by both of my co-hosts, Nicholas Moriano and Mason West. And Nick, nice haircut, buddy. Thank you. I just got it, and you know what? Today, it's my mom's 50th birthday. We're having our first preview show of the year. This is, I'm excited. This is good. I'm happy birthday to Nick's mom. An extra shout out here in the show. Mason, how about you, man? You excited for the game tonight, the NFL opening kickoff officially here on Thursday evening? It feels a little funny. Uh, I feel like 
normally it's such a big Sunday that happens, but, you know, they've been eking more of these games into the Thursday nights to open up the season and everything. And so while I'm really excited about it and I want to watch it, I got work tomorrow morning, so I don't know if I'll make it through. We'll see. We shall see. (laughs) To be determined. All right, guys, I'm excited to talk about this Bears game. We've been waiting pretty much all year to actually break down or preview a Chicago Bears football game yet again. So let's start some things off with our opening kickoff. And this is where we're going to take a second just to share our initial perception of our opponent. And of course, this week is the LA Rams. So Nick, what's going to be your opening kickoff? What are your thoughts on the Rams? What kind of opponent do we have in front of us here? We have a tough one, Will. What a team that obviously has a new quarterback, just like the Bears do in Justin Fields. They obviously have Matthew Stafford, someone we're all very familiar with a team that's also returning with the number one defense a season ago. still has a lot of those core pieces still in place. Now has new defense coordinator Raheem Morris as the captain of that unit to kind of man and try to sustain it and keep that unit to be a top unit in this league. But also when you have guys like Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, it kind of helps to, you know, sustain in the top half of the league on defense. But I really do believe the Rams are a team that will make a deep playoff run. So It's a tough test to open up and start the 2021 NFL season in L.A. Again, a team that also the Bears are very used to playing by now. Yeah, we play them every single year, at least for the last few seasons. How about you, Mason? What's your thoughts on the Rams? You know, like Nick said, when you have a team that has two stalwarts like uh, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and then surrounded by some pretty solid pieces, you're just going to always have a pretty good defense there. And they definitely have some new pieces. You know, it's not like they're the exact same as the previous years before, but they didn't get replaced with with bad players. There aren't a ton of question marks there. You know, you, you, there's they didn't replace any superstar. Get, sorry, added any superstars either. But again, at the same time, Raheem Morris, he's always he's been always been a solid defensive coach. Didn't work out as a head coach, but he's always had good defenses. You know, you bring in a team. I bring in a player like a Matthew Stafford who really should elevate them over a Jared Goff. Those offensive weapons are similar. You know, the offensive line is really solid. They're a team to really be worried about when you have an offensive mind also like Sean McVay. Yeah, they're very much a team like you guys both said. It's going to be a tough test here on the road, opening up this stadium a year overdue due to COVID last season. There's going to be a lot of challenges ahead of the Bears. I'm excited to dive in all the details here. And honestly, you guys hit it really well. So I'm not going to rehash and say, yes, a tough opponent. We know this. So let's move on and talk about this Chicago Bears offense with our first three and out of the year. This is where we look at three major talking points on each side of the ball to kick things off. And let's start this week's offensive discussion by taking a look at the Bears rushing attack. We all know that there have been issues in previous seasons with the Bears' inability to establish a run. This is very true the last couple of times that they've played the Rams. Only 123 yards on the ground total in their previous two matchups compared to the 194 that the Bears had in that 2018 meeting. And even though the Bears finished 25th in the league last year in terms of rushing yards per game, they had a strong end of the season. Uh, They were the ninth best team on the ground in the final three weeks of the year. But the rushing woes reared its ugly head again with only 33 rushing yards by running backs in that wild card loss to the Saints. The Rams ended last season as the third best unit against the run on defense. So guys, I want to know, can the Bears run the ball this week? And what type of committee approach are you expecting between Monty, Damian Williams, and perhaps Mason's guy, Khalil Herbert? And Nick, I'll go to you first. Yeah, so I think it's going to be, for for the Bears to start off 
trying to establish the run on a team like the Rams, like you listed all the stats there, Will, and even going back to what the Bears haven't been able to do in the past couple of games, it's really a tough task, especially with an offensive line that first started playing with each other for the first time against other opponents in the week three preseason game against the Titans. So to have to expect that unit to have a successful day, despite having a top five rusher in David Montgomery, I feel like it's just not maybe a realistic view of how this game might go. Because again, the, the Rams, yes, they, they did lose some guys along that defensive line, but you still have some very capable guys. And I got a background. Let's go. But um, so I, I think it's just a, it's a tough task. And just like our opening statement, like this is a tough game. This is a individually tough unit to move the ball on. They don't really give up much yards, especially in the middle of that defense. So I'm not expecting much, especially because this is basically a new offensive line that's going up there and trying to solidify uh, just any type of rushing attack. The Bears need to be key on their blocks and just allow David Montgomery to do his thing, but easier said than done. Definitely is. We say it every week last year. We said it the season, uh, season prior. Just give him his touches, and it should work out. And like you said, Nick, a little easier said than done. Uh, what about you, Mason? How confident are you in the Bears' ability? Uh, tough Rams front, an offensive line that has a lot of question marks. Where's your head right now? So you asked how confident I am. I'm not. Uh, if you look <laughs> at how the Bears ended the season last year with their rushing attack, it looked really good on paper. You were like, this is awesome. They're moving the ball. Things are getting better. But again, if you we talked about this a couple times now. If you actually analyze the teams they went, went against, there were some bottom rushing defenses they were running the ball against. The Rams aren't that. Add in what Nick said about lack of continuity on the line. We, we haven't even seen this team as a whole, what they can look like. You know, we'll talk about this a little bit later too, but you know, Allen Robinson didn't play in the preseason. Darnell Moody had a cup of coffee on the field during the preseason. Marquise Goodwin never saw the field. Dave Montgomery had, what, one play in the preseason. Damian Williams had some, it's just, you don't know what this offense is really going to look like. And then the one game that you really did get to see the offensive line play they really let up a, a good amount of pressure. They couldn't really move the ball very well. So if we're going off of the only information we have, which is the preseason, I don't know how you can really be confident. Yeah, uh, I'm, again, with you guys, It's we can't be like, yeah, the Bears are going to go out here and they're going to rush for, you know, a buck 20. We don't know if that's possible against this defense and, and really in general until this offensive line proves itself. It's a unit that, as, as I said, a lot of question marks. They haven't been together all that long, just a little bit of time in that Titans preseason game together. So we need to see exactly how it all stacks up. And if the Bears, and we'll talk about this defense, doesn't do its part and the Bears have to play from behind, we know how quickly Matt Nagy, who, by the way, is calling plays yet again. And when the Bears were rushing the football better, that was with Bill Lazor as the offensive coordinator doing the play calling duties a year ago. So those are another just couple of questions that I have entering this week one matchup. And one way that the Bears offense can prove that it has grown compared to last season would be to create some explosive plays. According to Jonathan Wood of the Bears blog, the Bears ranked 29th last season with only 54 explosive plays. Uh, those are plays that go for 15 or more on the ground or 20 plus through the air. Now, the Bears' focus this offseason on offense was to bring a bunch of speed to the wideout position and rework that offensive line. Chicago was one of the worst to get these chunk plays last season, and the Rams' defense was one of the best at preventing these plays last year. In fact, the best at preventing explosive plays through the air. So, guys, 
one way to take the crowd out of the game and on the road and to gain some momentum is to create these big-time plays. So, Mason, i go to you first. What are your thoughts on the Bears' ability to do so this week, given everything that we saw in camp, preseason, and just knowing that the, Bear, uh, the Bears are going to be challenged by this Rams defense come Sunday night? Is Justin Fields starting? And I wasn't told. Because unless he's starting, I'm not super excited about the chances of explosive plays. And when you talk about explosive plays, right, you talk about a pass that's over 20, a run that's over 10 usually. If you look back to last year, Andy Dalton, who, of course, this is not across a full game. He came in for Dak Prescott, so he didn't, this isn't full stats. But he had 20 plays over 20-plus yards passing and then five over 40-plus. You compare that to a Matthew Stafford, who had uh, – 54 over 20 yards and eight over 40. That's a pretty big discrepancy there. Now, obviously, like you said, they brought in speed, but to be able to use that speed and create large plays, you need time. I remember a good number of times where Andy Dalton was flattened in the preseason and couldn't even really get the ball off. I remember a good number of times when they did try these slant passes that you might think, okay, well, maybe this slant can turn into a longer gain, but you weren't getting separation from your receivers. Now, again, we weren't seeing Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney out there. A lot of times it was these, you know, tier two, tier three receivers. But to create those long plays, you need time from your offensive line. You need separation from your receivers, which, again, we have not seen yet. So if we, so it's hard to make these predictions when it just hasn't happened. Yep, absolutely there, Mason. How about you, Nick? Is there anything the Bears can do to generate some of these plays? Again, maybe they don't need a ton, but some would be better than none. Yeah, definitely would be. And I, I will say this. There will be more explosive plays this year than there were last year. And and that is because of Andy Dalton. Just because of what I saw in training camp with those anticipatory throws, he has developed some good chemistry with Allen Robinson, with Darnell Mooney. We didn't quite see that in the preseason, like you guys were saying. We didn't see both those two receivers really much in the preseason. So it really is going to be dictated on, again, that offensive line that's coming together for the first time. Is Jason Pierce even conditioned to really play in this game all the snaps we'll have to find out but Andy Dalton I think is capable of it as long as we don't see a repeat of Darnell Mooney just completely destroying Jalen Ramsey on a route and the ball not even being close I think the Bears will obviously be in a better position just whether or not Andy Dalton's going to have the time and maybe look it's one thing to have trust in training camp when you're going out against your defense and if you throw an interception you get another rep and you go back again Right. It's another thing to do it under the lights, Sunday night football, on the road against the number one defense a season ago. So that's going to be the test for Andy Dalton for this Bears offense. But I do think that with Matt Nagy and what he's all this confidence he has in Andy Dalton, they're going to draw up those plays. Whether they execute on them, that's another story. But I think they're definitely capable of doing it, and maybe it might not quite show in this game. But throughout the season, I think you're definitely going to see a little bit more of those explosive plays. All right. Now, we've said it. It's pretty much been prefaced with every comment we've said so far. All the offense success is going to really be contingent on this Bears offensive line and its ability to hold up. The Bears have given up seven sacks in the last two games against the Rams, and L.A. was the second-best team at taking down quarterbacks a year ago. We already mentioned how good the Rams were at stopping the run. Uh, they have the third-best pass rush grade of any defense last year, according to PFF. And now the Bears' offensive line, it's not what we expected it would be come week one. A lot has changed throughout camp and the preseason. And as I mentioned earlier, we only saw this new projected starting five for a little bit of time in that preseason finale. And it's obvious what we saw then was that this group 
needs to gel. Cody Whitehair said this week that this line has, quote, grown together the last two weeks very well. So that's good news uh, as long as that is accurate. So the Bears, this offensive line, tough first test for this unit. Nick, do you think it can hold its own? And if not, how did the Bears, Matt Nagy with his play calling, kind of lessen the blow and overcome it? So it helps when you have a mobile quarterback like a Justin Fields. But when you have an Andy Dalton, I think that ways to mitigate that type of pass rush and just number 99 in general with Aaron Donald, it, it becomes a lot, obviously a little bit more limited. And you just really got to hope that that interior, the best part of the Bears offensive line for now can do its job. Even if it's anywhere near what they did in 2018, which is still a different offensive line. Actually, it's just one new player, right? With Sam Musfer. Different positions, though, but you just got to hope that that's what the Bears are are thinking, that that continuity that, um, you know, or Cody Whitehair was kind of talking about. They've been getting better the past two weeks. You're hoping it does, but really, I, I'm not – we've been talking about this in the previous two segments. It, it's all dictated on the offensive line, and from how we're talking, and like those explosive plays, the being able to establish a run, it really isn't going to happen. And I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to take some time – for this unit to really be in a groove like we saw maybe at the end of last season. I just don't expect them to go out Sunday night football and just move the Rams front seven backwards and create those running lanes and give and on time. I think that's just right now at this time, a little foolish. So no, I don't expect it to happen, but if it does, I will be very, very surprised. And probably happy uh, if it actually ended up working out in our favor that way. Mason, is there anything that we can do offensively to, if this offensive line struggles as we anticipate, uh, to find a way to kind of move that football regardless, whether it be play action, getting the screen game involved, getting the ball out quick to receivers? Maybe I'm stealing some of your uh, mojo here early, but what would you do? You know, so far I've been a bit of a Debbie Downer this show, so I'm going to sprinkle a little bit of sunshine. You know, if you can look back to 2018, James Daniels did a really good job against Aaron Donald, right? You know, obviously playing a different position than he was at that point in time. But like Nick said, the interior offensive line is relatively solid for us, at least what I expect it to be. You know, the concern is going to be the edges, the protection, the pass plays, things like that. So Matt Nagy is going to have to set up Andy Dalton for success. You're going to have to set up the deep plays with some of that quick game and get the separation from the receivers, like we said. So that way the tackles have don't have to spend as much time defending the edge. You know, getting that run game going so the play action can actually benefit you more substantially. But you cannot give up early on the run game of this. Even if you get down, you know, two scores, you can't all of a sudden default to having Andy Dalton throw 50-plus passes. You're just not going to win that way. And when you do that, when you commit to the run, right, like you said, going to that screen game. One thing I want to see more of, though, is much more of that running back screen versus the wide receiver screen. I have very few memories, and please elucidate me if I'm wrong, but of the wide receiver screens working well for the Bears, it's a lot of catching it and going down pretty quickly on the edges. So I'd like to see them use a Damian Williams, who that's one of his calling cards. But back during that Super Bowl run that the Chiefs had was slipping out to the edges or even one of those quick screens in the middle. Use your tight end screen, right? You got this guy, Cole Komet, who's supposed to be taking this leap forward. Can he chip and leak out? Uh, Jesse James, that'd be a fantastic play for him in theory, right? A little chip block, slip out into a tight end slip screen. So Nagy has to, has to, has to help Andy Dalton. He has to be able to change his game plan up if it doesn't work. Because we've seen this year after year, game after game at this point. He's got a pretty good scripted set usually to start. But if it starts going awry, he hasn't really seemed like he's being able to shift gears. He kind of keeps pounding away with whatever that game plan was. 
And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, well, bombs away because we're down by three scores. Yeah, really well said there, Mason. And hopefully we can see some of those wrinkles here come uh, Sunday night. Uh, one of my other thoughts here on offense in general uh, is my sentence and saying that I hope can die eventually. And that is third down better not be a death sentence and it should not be a death sentence. Uh, last year, the Bears were dead last on third down, and they were just pitiful on third and four or less. Usually, those should be winning situations. The Bears only converted on 25% of those third and shorts a year ago. So if the Bears are in third and four and less and running up punting consistently, it's going to be very difficult to hang around uh, in a game like this. Uh, I think that does it for our offensive discussion before we go over to the Bears' defense to talk about them and some of their tasks ahead for this week one game against the Rams, Nick, you have a message for our listeners from our friends over at Manscaped. Yes, I do. So attention listeners from across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston, do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth-generation and brand-new Lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. This fourth generation trimmer also features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on and off switch, and can engage a travel lock and is even waterproof. And inside this package, you'll obviously find that Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, a crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your whole solar system together. Get 20% off plus free shipping. With the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com, that's 20% off, plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. For a clean, trendy, and beyond, your space balls will thank you. All right, you're listening to Chicago Audible Podcast. I'm Russell DeWitt. That awesome ad read came from Nicholas Moriano, also joined by Mason West, and we are going to move on over to talk about this Chicago Bears defense. And now, guys... I know that explosive plays, they go both ways. This defense is going to need to limit them, honestly, very well because the Rams are in a very explosive offense. Come Sunday night, uh, they're going up against an offense with loads of playmakers like Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Last season, Matt Stafford orchestrated a Lions 34-30 victory over the Bears, and that game was full of big-time plays. In fact, five different receivers had explosive plays against this Bears defense in that game. In his time in Detroit, though, Stafford was 11-9 against the Bears with 32 TDs to 23 picks, good for an 86.3 passer rating. And the Bears secondary, who is going to need plenty of help uh, with Kendall Vildor, Duke Shelley starting. And we'll talk more about that secondary as a whole here soon. But, guys, we've seen plenty of Matthew Stafford, uh, but not with this talented of a supporting cast around him. So, Nick, I'll go to you first. What do the Bears need to do in order to limit big-time plays against them in this game? I think you really just need to play sound coverage and hope that your edge rushers can get to Matthew Stafford because this is not going to be the same offense that we saw the Rams have last year 
when the bear when the Rams had success against this Bears defense because Jared Goff was really dinking and dunking and not really taking those deep shots. And McVay recognized he had to change the offense. Well, now he's changing it to what he wants to run. And you're going to see more of those opportunities for a Robert Woods, a Cooper Cup, a Deshaun Jackson to take those deep shots downfield. So especially when you have a young secondary, we're going to see times where the Rams are going to stress maybe a Kendall Vildor, Duke Shelley to make sure they're in the response where they're supposed to be and are playing to their responsibilities because they're going to take those deep shots. And if you're out of position, although the bears have had success against Stafford, he is somebody that can definitely capitalize. Just look at the last game, what he did to the bears at soldier field, throwing for over 400 yards passing and three touchdowns. Like he lit the bears up and there were a couple of deep shots in that game. Like you mentioned, five different receivers, had explosive plays in that game. So it's really going to be about making sure that each one of those DBs knows their responsibilities and Sean Desai's uh, defense here and just making sure that, hey, regardless of who it is that provides pressure, they need to at least get in Matthew Stafford's face if they can't get the sack. Yeah, and we'll talk about the Bears' uh, ability to generate some pressure here uh, actually coming up next. But real quick, Mason, uh, what are your thoughts on the Bears' defense's ability in this matchup to to limit some of those big-time plays? Because they worry me, although I think the Rams' ability to also methodically move the football down the field against this Bears' defense is also a concern uh, in my book. But what are your thoughts on the Bears' ability to kind of slow down this attack? I think there's really two areas that you have to slow the Rams down with outside of generating pressure on the quarterback, of course. One's going to be defending the slot. Uh, We know right now the Bears' slot defense is a little questionable. We're not 100% sure how that's going to go. When you have receivers like Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, you know, they can definitely slide outside. They can be inside if needed. And, you know, how are you able to, if you're man-to-man, can you do that? Or can you pass it off in his own? You know, you're not going to have Danny Trevathan, who had his ups and downs in, in terms of coverage. How's Alec Ogletree going to do in that coverage when you have a Cooper Cup in the slot where Duke Shelley passes it off to him, you know, coming across the middle? But even more importantly, I think it's going to come down to stopping the run game because the run game isn't something that you're terrified by, uh, right? They have Daryl Henderson and they traded for Sony Michelle. Um, two names that don't necessarily scare you. But if you can stop that run game, and we know you know the Rams, the offense has evolved. You know, it's not the same Todd Gurley pound away play action because McVay didn't trust Goff, to be completely honest. But you know, I'm sure they're still going to use a lot of those similar concepts. So if you can stop the run, force them to have to play, you know, have to throw some of those deeper passes, then your pass rush can actually get there and maybe you actually have a chance to win this game. And Stafford, we've seen him plenty of times. We know he's going to give this Bears opportunities to come away with some turnovers here. He will force some throws. He'll trust his guys, and it's going to be up to this Bears defense to step up to that challenge, make some plays, and honestly, let's get that turnover bucket involved here come week one. And Nick, you already said it. One key towards slowing down any offense, and really, then that's getting pass rush and some strong play from the defensive line. The Rams were a top-10 team in terms of limiting sacks a year ago and a top-10 team at rushing the football. The Rams did gain 160 yards on the ground in our last matchup. The Bears' defensive line may be without Eddie Goldman, who suffered an injury on Monday. Mario Edwards is suspended for the first two weeks, and both Cleo Mack and Robert Quinn are already showing up on the injury report, though Matt Nagy said he's confident in their availability come Sunday. Mason, right back to you first. What does this Bears defensive front need to do in order to create some havoc in the pocket, get Stafford off his mark, and slow down the rushing attack? Really, luckily, 
Tonga is really uh, shown to be a good quality death piece. For someone who was drafted so late, uh, watching him in the preseason, he's someone that I'm pretty confident won't, you know, he won't be Eddie Goldman if Eddie Goldman can't play. But he can do a decent job of eating up blocks, you know, stuffing those lanes so that some of the other players can get there. And I think it's going to be really important to see what Travis Gibson does at this point because we were already calling a rep uh, pass count essentially, right, for Quinn. I don't think he's going to be there out there too much, maybe in those known passing downs. So his injury is something I'm not as concerned with. It was one of those things where it's like, I'm not counting on Quinn anyway. So him being there or not being there is not something I'm overly concerned with. Uh, but really, I think Sean Desai is going to be a big part of this. Uh, when you looked at Chuck Pagano's defense, it was pretty obvious when pressure was going to be coming. Or at times there was just really questionable decisions. Like when he had three down linemen against Aaron Rodgers. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is going to pick that apart all day long. Um, so how he, can he disguise when he puts pressure? And that was something that like, Fangio did so well. Was he a lot of times only brought four, but you weren't sure where the four was coming from. And he, that also allowed Eddie Jackson to do what he does best, which is attack downhill. Uh, too many times last year you saw Eddie Jackson, yes, he was dropping into coverage, but he had to drop into coverage versus just being able to find the ball, go get the ball. So really, Sean Desai's creativity is going to be key here. Nick, what are your thoughts on this Bears defensive front in general? One thing that worries me was a trend last season uh, where the Bears allowed 133 yards on the ground per game on the road compared to only 94 yards per game on the ground at home. So with this being an away game, I'm concerned if that trend continues, it's going to be a long evening you know, for all of us here watching that game and really for the Bears come Sunday night. What are your thoughts about the Bears' defensive front? And perhaps if Mack and Quinn aren't 100%, guys like a Travis Gibson, guys like a Jeremiah Tachu kind of stepping up and helping out as a part of the rotation. Well, I think that trend can definitely continue if Eddie Goldman's not a part of this rotation or is even limited on, su- on Sunday night. And it's kind of leaning that way that that's going to be the case. But I think Mason really hit on this to where it's going to benefit Travis Gibson. It's going to benefit Mac. It's going to benefit Akeem Hicks, Bilal Nichols. It's like he's been – all these defensive defensive players have been calling him a mastermind or sorcerer, and he's been talking about, I'm going to put these guys in the best positions possible. So that's what really it's going to come down to on Sunday night. How are you going to do that? Are we going to see more stunts than we ever saw with a guy like Chuck Pagano and be just creative along that front seven – that we saw more more frequently when Vic Fangio was a you know a part of this Bears team. So I think that's going to be the way that you you'll be able to capitalize on one on one opportunities if they happen for either edge rusher for guys like Akeem Hicks who's going to have to go up against double teams just being going against guard center whatever he's at in a three tech. So it really does just to you know add on to Mason's point. It goes to Sean Desai to really back up what he's been saying all summer, all throughout training camp, what we've been hearing from these defensive players. He's going to put these guys in positions to succeed. Let's see how you plan on doing that in your first game as a defensive coordinator. He's going to be calling plays from up in the booth, so he likes to see the all 22, he said earlier in his press conference this week. Let's see how it plays out because he's going to be such a huge part if the Bears are going to have any success on defense and really stopping what is going to be a high octane and very efficient, you know, Rams unit. No, in the chat, by the way, likes when your mic turns green because it kind of blends that green screen. <laughs> we were talking about that earlier. <laughs> yep. We'll, we'll work on that one. Let's move over to this Bears secondary. Uh, Cause I'm curious your thoughts on this unit coming into this matchup. 
we all know the Rams have a ton of playmakers, and the Bears have serious question marks uh, throughout the secondary. Jalen Johnson uh, is now officially CB1, Kendall Vildor CB2, and Duke Shelley is starting in the nickel. And heading into this matchup, I'm also curious your thoughts on any potential leashes on maybe a Vildor or Duke Shelley. Like, if they struggle, do they try a Marquis Christian? Do they try an Xavier Crawford? What would you do this week if these guys do struggle? Because no one won a cornerback battle, at least in my opinion, watching what I saw throughout the preseason. I think the Bears just took the best guys they had and like, all right, well, these are going to be our starters, but who knows if they're even going to hold up here come the regular season. I have doubts, and hopefully they can quiet those doubts here come week one, but not too confident in that right now. How about you, Nick? What would you do uh, in the secondary? And just your thoughts on how they match up. I think the first person, if one of these secondary players is not playing well, that could get replaced is probably a Duke Shelley with a marquee Christian. Someone that obviously has experience has been repping at that nickel position throughout training camp, showed some things even throughout the preseason. So if that's a position that gets exploited at that nickel cornerback position and Duke Shelley, you know, getting the first opportunity to be that guy, I can definitely see Marquis Christian coming into the game. I think Vildor will end up just kind of finishing out the game. Obviously, Artie Burns would probably be second in line. And yes, they did retain Xavier Crawford as well. But if one of those guys has a, you know, just being exploited, Cooper Cup's having his way in, in the slot, Robert Woods as well, it's probably Duke Shelley. What about you, Mason? Uh, I, I Just like with the offensive line, I'm sure if I say, what's your confidence, your answer may be none. <laughs> I don't know if I would say none, but it's pretty low. Uh, the biggest issue for me is really going to be that slot position. I mentioned that earlier. Uh, we see, we've seen that time and time again. Offenses are getting more eclectic with that, right? You're not just a outside receiver. You, know, you see Devontae Adams is a perfect example. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, even the ones that we're talking about today, they slide in and out. You know, they, there's mismatches. They hit a lot of those jet sweeps with these players. So the ability for that slot receiver to stick with them so that you don't have to put too much onus on your linebackers and things of that nature is going to be so, so important. Now, the one thing I will say, at least as a positive, is I don't, you're not going against like a top 10 receiver in this matchup. It's two solid ones, but you, know, you don't have a DeAndre Hopkins sitting out there. You don't have a Devontae Adams. So at least there's that silver lining there. So I'm a little more confident in what a – uh, a, Vil- a Vildor can do and like, what a Johnson can do in that kind of a situation. Now, there were just too many times where they were, I feel like, playing off in this preseason. There was just a lot of space that was given and they're giving a lot of those under routes. The thought process might be that it was pretty vanilla, right? What we saw on defense was pretty straightforward. There wasn't a lot of you know wrinkles to it. So that hopefully Sean Desai now is all of a sudden going to change that up. A little more press coverage, be able to back it up, tighten that defense up a bit. Um, I don't know necessarily that in this game, Either of those two on the outside really are going to lose their their gig mid-game or anything like that. But the biggest one for me would be, yeah, Duke Shelley. And see Marky Christian probably get some run on that because, if honestly, I thought I saw a little bit more from Christian this preseason than I did from Shelley. All right, guys, let's move over to the third phase now. Let's talk about special teams. Let's just go around the horn and let's just share one thing that we're paying attention to uh, on special teams this week. And, Nick, I'll go over to you first. You know, it's not even going to be anything about the Bears. It's going to be Johnny Hecker and his what he did last time that he played the Bears. Both He had five punts all inside the 10-yard line, and that really put the Bears in a bad position to start, already a bad offense as it was last season. So if Johnny Hecker 
has a game like that again with a new quarterback in Andy Dolan and the offense that we're still very unsure of with an, an unstable offensive line that can really impact this game like it did the last time you know the Bears and Rams played so that's where I'm kind of focusing on for this Bears Rams and the special teams aspect of what can happen on Sunday night all right Mason how about you is it just watching Khalil Herbert at kick returner for his first official <laughs> game as a pro or do you got something else I'm going to take it a slight step forward and just talk about that battle of field position. You know, we just got through talking to Devin Hester and he showed how important he was, right? The fact that the bears were able to start on the 50 yard line. Cause you know, the uh, opposing punting team kicked it out of bounds after 10, 20 yards. Cause they didn't want him to return it. Can you flip the field like that? Obviously not like a Devin Hester could, but can a Nasimba, can a, a Herbert, get the ball, solid 20, 30-yard return, and then on coverage. That was something that was really rough last season multiple times and continued into this preseason. If they're able to set up on the Bears 50, I mean, they have no chance because this is going to be a game where every single yard is going to matter and you really have to be able to flip that field. Yeah, that punt coverage, that was number one on my list, number one on my radar. We Every game that we watched at Soldier Field in the preseason – it was just atrocious. Uh, There's no punt coverage at all. They're allowing multiple punt returns for 20 or more yards. So what they need to prove to us is that that was a fluke. That was just preseason play. And when it actually matters, they're going to get that back down to a respectable number. And it is something that they do need to improve, as you said, Mason, compared to a season ago. Uh, the only one that you guys didn't knock off my little checklist here would be Cairo Santos. Uh, is he ready to build off last season and start this year on the right foot? Let's see if he can continue that streak uh, that he has alive right now. But, gentlemen, I'm excited to move into our next segment, and let's talk about some X factors on both sides of the ball. And, Mason, I'll go to you first. On offense, who's your X factor? My X factor on offense is going to be See, I had someone a little different, but I think I'm changing my mind just right here. It's going to be Darnell Mooney because at the end of the day, I think what he does is going to be real, is going to be imperative. Allen Robinson, more likely than not, is going to have Jalen Ramsey covering him just because he is the top receiver. Unless for some reason Ramsey goes to the coach and be like, hey, look, I got to go you know, cover my dad over there. But I don't know if that's actually going to happen. <laughs> so if, if Mooney can produce, if Mooney can stretch the field, right, it's going to make everything closer a little easier it's going to open up some of those underneath routes it's going to make the run game a little bit easier you know he is the wide receiver too he needs to act and produce like the wide receiver too okay very similar reasoning but different player than i have my x factor in offense this week is gonna be marquise goodwin because the bears have really struggled getting consistent production out of a wide receiver three in this offense particularly against the rams uh, last year the wide receiver three was anthony miller who had three catches and 20 yards with a long of eight uh, we've talked about it earlier right the bears need to get those chunk plays goodwin speed should also help in that regard but just like mooney hopefully and ideally can open up some easier looks underneath for Andy Dalton and company. Uh, coming from San Francisco, that being Goodwin, uh, he does have plenty of experience going up against this Rams defense where he averaged 14 yards per catch throughout his time there. So can he take some of that coverage and pressure away from Mooney and A-Rob, give them some easier looks? And on top of that, whenever his number is called, because this is another guy we didn't really see in the preseason, I want to see him make a big impact here in Chicago, Marquise Goodwin. So for him being kind of under the radar uh, with everyone else that we've talked about and haven't really seen him throughout the preseason, 
I'm excited for the debut. So for that reason, he's going to be my X Factor on offense. And Nick, how about you? Who is yours? Yeah, so it's not a player, but just an X Factor in offense is limiting the offensive penalties. Ultimately, that stall those offensive drives for the Bears, especially against this defense, one that wants you to go down the field slowly. And we all have seen the Bears when an offensive penalty happens. Basically, you could call the drive dead. There's no way that the Bears are coming back from it. Now, just looking back at the game last year in 2020, uh, Jermaine Effetti had a holding call. There was a false start on Rashad Coward. There was a holding call on Demetrius Harris that was ultimately declined. So you see those three penalties that are already happening on offense last season. The Bears were in the top half of last year in terms of the number of penalties called. So if that happens in this game, with all the things we talked about with this Rams defense, the Bears offense is not going to have a chance. So they have to limit those offensive penalties and just play discipline. And you're on the road. There's, it's going to be a crowded stadium, like you mentioned. Well, they've been waiting for this moment to unveil SoFi Stadium, and it's going to be loud. So how does Andy Dahl and this offensive line kind of, I guess, handle that? But they have to if they want to be successful on offense. All right, let's flip it. Let's go to the defense. And Nick, I'll go right back to you. Who or what? Is your X factor on defense? Yeah, now I have a player, but it's really whoever's playing the nickel position. We talked about how important this is going to be in this game. And even though, like, because last season, Buster Screen was targeted seven times in that game, gave up six receptions for 37 yards, but also one of those was a touchdown. So whoever is playing the majority of the nickel, and we're expecting Duke Shelley to do it, but we just talked about it. It could be Marquis Christian. You have to be, one, ready for any of these wide receivers to be in the middle. It could be a Robert Woods. It could be a Cooper Cup, a, jo- um, a Van Jefferson, who's going to get more playing time now that Josh Reynolds is no longer on the team. So all these guys are capable of being hit that opponent for Duke Shelley or a Marquis Christian. So that's going to be the X factor for me. If they can hold that down, maybe that gives them more of a chance of really getting off the field and hopefully giving their offense a chance to do something. All right, Mason, how about you? Who or what is your X factor over on defense this week? I have to go back to Sean Desai. At the end of the day, he, he has these pieces. They are solid pieces you know, that he can play with. And so what is he going to do to get the most out of those pieces? Because we did see Mack had a decent year last year, but it wasn't, you know, he still didn't get a lot of one-on-one rushing opportunities. Part of it was because, hey, it's Mack. You're not going to give him a lot of those. But also, I don't, there wasn't enough creativity in the play calling to generate one-on-ones. Same thing with Akeem Hicks, right? Same thing with where pressures are coming from. And if he can create ways to get some of those one-on-one rushes for some of those players, or maybe it's a Travis Gibson, right? And then can Travis Gibson perform that? And so if he can create a lot of those opportunities, which will then generate turnovers more more likely than not, right? Generate more three and outs. The last game they played, there's a 24 to 14 first down differential with the Rams advantage. You can't have that and win a game. You can't have a situation where it's third and 14 for the Rams and they have a screen pass that ends up generating a 16-yard gain. And that happened far too many times for the Bears last year where they could have gotten off the field and they just couldn't get to it. When you have a goal line stand and it's fourth and fourth and goal, two yards a gain, and you can't get them off the field and force that four and out. John Desai has to be able to generate those kinds of turnovers and move and switch the field. Yeah, and big debut for him as well. Uh, Sean decides that's a really good choice there, Mason. For me, I'm going with one of the newest Chicago Bears, 
I'm going to go with Alec Ogletree. Uh, the Bears were carved up in the middle of the field in that short to intermediate area uh, the last time I'm out by the Rams. They hit on 21 of 27 of those attempts. Danny Trevathan gave up 40 of those for 75 yards, uh, 50 of which came after the catch. Uh, so if the Bears want a shot, Ogletree's going to show his worth. Limiting these plays will be huge for this defense to Mason's point to get off the field and to eliminate some of these unnecessary big plays. Even if Ogletree gives up some catches, can he stay with his man? Can he make the tackle you know, soon there after the catch and just get him down without trailing behind and chasing him down for 15 or 20 yards? Because if Ogletree struggles like Danny Trevathan did, we can be in for a long day giving up those easy completions and yards in this short to intermediate area of the field, whether it's to running backs or to tight ends, heck, even to wide receivers over the field. Uh, so that's going to be my X factor over on defense. And let's take it one step further and let's look at some back-breaking matchups and Nick, I'll go to you first on offense. I'm going to give you this side of the ball today. Uh, so on offense, what is your back-breaking matchup? The one matchup that can ruin the whole game if it goes opposite of Chicago's favor. Yeah, so this is going to be David Montgomery versus the Rams gap and a half defensive line scheme. So this is something that Brandon Staley kind of implemented in um, just with Vic Fangio. So what this basically is, and if you, you guys need to go read Ted Nugent's playing gap and a half and Vic Fangio and Brandon Staley's system, because it's awesome. It really details exactly what we're going to see on Sunday night, but this defense invites the team to run on a light box. So, and the Rams only allowed 3.8 yards with a light box. And with that, the gap and a half design stops a pass first ton of two deep safety looks and the defensive linemen, have to they could still be aggressive, but they have to play the primary gap, and they have to have control to fall back. That's the kind of the term they use. So why this is important and why I have this my backbreaking matchup? We know the Bears love to use that inside outside zone scheme, and it's predicated on the running backs finding the cutback lanes. Well, these defensive linemen are not they they they're taught to be aggressive, but also know that they got to play a gap and a half. So if de- if if David Montgomery can press the the gap that he's intending on going on, but cut it back. He can create lanes himself, but also it's going to be predicated on the line holding those blocks. So that's going to be key because we you read the stats earlier, Will, that the Bears have not had success running the football on the Rams since 2018 when Jordan Howard was the primary running back. But if David Montgomery, who was a top five rusher, can be that guy and press those gaps cut back and have these defensive linemen overplay, then you have a chance. Then you can open up that play action and get outside the pocket in those explosive plays that we've been talking about. But that's a backbreaker. I don't know if even if David Montgomery has himself a great game, if it's still capable of, of doing that. But watch this gap and a half defensive line scheme. Um, go read that article I mentioned earlier because that's exactly what the Bears are going to be facing on Sunday night. Good stuff there, Nick. I like how specific that was, and it's a little extra something-something to watch out for come Sunday night. So really good stuff. Mason, let's go over to defense. I have a hunch, based off of a few things you said here to this episode, where this may go, but what's going to be your backbreaker matchup for the Bears defense? My backbreaking matchup for the Bears defense is going to be the tight end, specifically Tyler Higby, versus the Bears inside linebackers. Surprise me. And okay. Ooh, there we go. I gotcha. So at the end of the day, you know, we know what Robert Woods and Cooper Cup can do. I think that Tyler Higby is a very underrated tight end, especially 
with a quarterback of Matthew Stafford's pedigree and what he can actually do. And now we don't know exactly how this is going to work out, but if the Rams stick to a lot of their play action or heavy run into play action, and we know Roquan Smith can cover a lot of the field, but he's also very aggressive. So, you know, is he going to fly up to try to make the tackle and they'll run? And then now you have an Alec Ogletree left to cover a Tyler Higby. We have seen instances where he's done okay with that. We've all seen instances where he hasn't. You know, there's the one play against the Dolphins where Gesicki got behind him. Now, that's only one time, but it's the preseason, and there's only so many plays that we can look at. And so ultimately, if they cannot contain that tight end up the seam, you know, crossers, especially then also in the red zone, they're going to have a very rough day. Okay, so my defensive backbreaker, I'm just going to do one because uh, for the sake of time here, Cooper Cup versus Duke Shelley. Uh, and that's where I thought you were going to go, Mason. I thought I was going to chime in with some things I found out. But this is one worth mentioning. Cooper Cup last year was the fifth. He had the fifth highest reception percentage last year at 78.3 that Cooper Cup did. And he was also the third most productive receiver after the catch. Huge test for Duke Shelley. Cooper Cup was also the seventh best wideout on third down last year. He moved the sticks 21 times on those plays. Again, that's the seventh most in the NFL. And that's with Jared Goff under center and not a Matthew Stafford. So if Cup's able to just beat Shelley consistently on third down and extend those drives, it's not going to matter what the Bears do on first down or second down. When we watch Duke Shelley in the preseason, he's usually behind his man and not really joined to him at the hip. And if that's going to be the case come Sunday night, Cooper Cup is going to make him pay each and every time. And how frustrating and would it be, and we've seen it before, where the Bears get a good stop on first down, another stop on second. You're looking at like a third and eight, and they get a nice easy completion to the Bears' nickel corner, and we move the sticks and we do it over and over again. The offense eats the time of possession, and it's just frustrating to watch, and you know it's demoralizing for a defense. So that's going to be my backbreaker matchup. Cooper Cup, Duke Shelley, specifically on third down. All right, let's move along here and let's find out who has the edge. And I'm excited to find out who Mason and Nick are giving the edge here. And Nick, I'm going to go to you first. That's going to be the Bears rushing attack versus the Rams run defense. I don't know if you're shaking your head no because your green screen messed up again on the stream and I don't know what bug we're dealing with but I'm going to fix it. Don't worry. Or you're just shaking your head like no way the Bears have the edge here. No, the Bears don't have the edge here. Until I can see it physically happen against the Rams, I can't do that to them. You, We read off the stats what they've done the previous times when they played the Rams and I told you like everything needs to go perfectly against this gap and a half defensive scheme that they run. With the new offensive line, I just don't see it happening. Will the the Rams still have a very good front seven? Ashawn Robinson's a guy that's going to get a lot more playing time this season than he did last season. So that's another guy the Bears have to really worry about on that front seven. So giving it to the Rams. Giving it to the Rams. Hopefully the Bears would be giving it to the Rams come Sunday night. <laughs> Mason, with that Bears pass offense, Rams uh, Bears pass offense versus the Rams. Secondary in that pass defense. Who do you got? The Rams secondary on the defense, unfortunately. Again, we just haven't seen enough for me to to make it to make a call for the for the Bears. Right? We haven't seen any of the offensive weapons in that passing game really that who are going to be the primary people on Sunday night. And while I do think Andy Dalton is ultimately an upgrade over Foles and Trubisky in terms of processing, in terms of being able to move the ball down the field. 
Brad Biggs had an interesting tweet this afternoon that I think elucidates it too. Andy Dalton has a 6-17 and 17 record in primetime with a 78.7 passer rating and 59.2% completion percentage. That's just kind of Andy Dalton in a nutshell for the most part. He's all right if everything's perfect around him, right? You know, the weapons are great. The protection is great. He will get the ball where it needs to go. But you're talking about a Rams defense that doesn't allow perfection to occur. They're going to put pressure on you. They're going to disguise coverages. And they have a ball hawk in Ramsey who shuts down half the field most of the time. And that's rare to find. Hence why the Rams went and got him. So, sorry, Bears. <laughs> Let's flip it over to this Bears defense. And Mason, go back to you first. Uh, the Bears run defense versus the Rams rushing attack on offense. See, this one, I can actually say Bears run defense. And for that, I just think they just have the right people there. You know, they, they do have the Clomac, Akeem Hicks. They won't have Eddie Goldman, potentially. We're still not sure on that. He's day-to-day. If he's there, uh, I'll be even more confident in that. But I do think, you know, Tonga and those individuals can, can step up. You do solve Rokon Smith, who he can cover more of the field than almost any linebacker currently in the game. And I'm not terrified, really, of the Rams' rushers currently. You know, Henderson did okay last year. He wasn't necessarily a juggernaut or anything, but any stretch of the imagination. And Sony Michel, I mean, I don't think the Patriots win that Super Bowl without him, but I, he's also not a world beater either. Uh, he's got his own knee problems and everything. He's basically Todd Gurley Jr. in terms of knee arthritis. It's pretty, it's pretty nuts. Uh, so just really, I like that matchup for the most part. It's going to really boil down to the chess game that's going to happen between McVay and Desai, right, in terms of how those rushing lanes are created and if the Bears can truly clog them. But I believe they can. See, I'm glad he did it. I was a little concerned, like myself, when I was doing my thought exercise and who I would give the edge, and the Bears were very close for this one. Even though the Bears gave up 160 in the ground to him last time, even though the Bears struggled stopping the run in the road a year ago, it's still one where, like you, Mason, I think they have the guys in place in order to at least slow it down enough, and that should make, make an impact. So I'm glad he went there, too. Nick, uh, to wrap things up, uh, the Bears' secondary to passing defense in general versus that Rams' passing attack now with Matthew Stafford. Who has the edge? You know, you're lucky you didn't ask me for the last one because I had the Rams there too, and I had the Rams <laughs> and their passing offense. Will it's now you have Matthew Stafford as the quarterback here, and, and look, you, look at what Jared Goff did to the defense. He didn't have crazy numbers, but he was efficient. Twenty-three of thirty-three, two hundred twenty yards, two touchdowns. And that's against, obviously, a lot of the guys that he's going to see on, on Sunday, on Sunday night. So, And then I just look at what Stafford did last time when he played the Bears and when he was targeting Jalen Johnson, giving up two of those touchdowns at Soldier Field. It's, it's set up to where if the Rams get ahead early and the, the Bears offense is not doing its thing, containing or sustaining drives, it could get ugly, but I'm going with the Rams passing offense. I had the Rams for all of them, so I'm glad you didn't ask me for the third one. See, we almost had to bring out the brooms here, but Mason saved the day. Let's jump into the final portion of our show and start with some predictions. And I love playing this game so much throughout Countdown to Camp. I thought, let's bring it into some of these game preview episodes as well. That's right. It's time to play a little over-under. And these are going to be courtesy of our sportsbook partner, BetUS. You can sign up today for a 125% sign-up bonus at BetUS.com with code CHICAGO125. So, Nick, I'll go to you first. For, and, again, these come from them. 
uh, which helps my job a little bit here. Over under 20.5 completions for Andy Dalton. I'll go over that. I think he's definitely capable, even if they're not very efficient completions. I think he's capable of over 20.5. Okay, so Nick's taking the over. How about you, Mason? Would you take the over or would you take the under on that one? (sighs) Nick Foles had 28 completions against him last year, so it's hard to to not go with the over. Uh, So I think I'm just going to have to go with it. If Nick Foles can do 28, I think Andy Dalton can. If they get down, Neg, you'll be Neggy, throw the ball a lot. So, yeah. There you go. So if you're looking for some odds, maybe that's an easy one for you at home. Uh, The next over-under, according to BetUS, 57.5 rushing yards from David Montgomery. Another one that kind of surprised me when I saw that line. But I'll go to Mason here first because the Bears have struggled uh, to run the ball against his Rams defense. Would you take the over or under on 57.5 for Monty? I'll take I'll take the over. Uh, so he had 48 yards last year and he get the off the line was a little suspect at that time too. Nick Foles that was in the game again like I just said so that hurt the rushing attack cuz you could key on Montgomery easier since you know Nick Foles is statuesque as always whenever he's out there. Um the only reason I was on the questioning on that was just because I think that at least Damon Williams if not Phil Herbert are going to eat into that rush total a little bit um cuz Back then, you only had Cordero Passion, who had three carries for one yard. I really hoped Damian Williams would be able to produce more than that. Um, but considering all that, you know, just closing the gap of 10 yards compared to last year, I think is totally doable for Monty. All right, Nick, how about you? You can take the over or under on Monty at 57.5. I'll take the over, and only because I think David Montgomery gets one big run. And then you're going to see a lot of what I th- think we've seen the past two games where they're very small gains, nothing that's efficient. And you see that yards per carry go down and down and down as the game goes on. But I'll go over as well. All right. And the final one here, uh, we'll flip it. This one will be about the Bears defense, but the line that they have is 1.5 passing touchdowns allowed to Matthew Stafford. Nick, how about you? Are you going to take the over or under on that? I'm going over, Will. Uh, he threw for three of them at Soldier Field last time he played this Bears defense, and I, he has better weapons now in L.A., so I'm going to go over. Mason? Uh, unless they march down the field to the one-yard line every drive and just happen to hand it off. I mean, we just spent this whole show talking about how the offense is better with Stafford and how the matchups aren't good and the corner play is not going to be great and the slot's questionable. Yeah, it's got to be over. <laughs> All right, we're hammering the over here on the Chicago Audible this week. Let's move on to the next segment, and it's time to give out some week one bold predictions. Mason, what's going to be your bold prediction for this first game of the year? I'm going to go, I'm going to recycle one because I still think it's good. The one I had (laughs) for my quarterback bold prediction, the quarterback that will finish the game leading a drive to leading a drive to try to close the gap will be Justin Fields. All right. Uh, I'm sure everyone smiles a little bit hearing that one, just like I did. Nick, how about you? What's going to be your bold prediction, man? So my bold prediction has nothing to do with over and under. So here we go. Matthew Stafford has never had a game where he's thrown for three interceptions against the Bears. He's had a four interception game week 10, Back in 2011, and we talked about how suspect this Bears secondary is. So I have my bold prediction. Stafford, new offense, going to try some stuff. It's not going to work this game. But here's here's the thing about the bold prediction. 
doesn't necessarily have to be a realistic one. So, boom, three interceptions for Matthew Stafford. All right. I love it. I love unrealistic bold predictions because that's what this segment is all about. I have a few of those listed. Uh, I'll stick. Oh, you guys both went offense. I'll go defense. The Bears defense will get one pick six and it's going to be Duke Shelley. That, my friends. See, that's even more player. unrealistic than mine. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> ouch. I'm kidding. <laughs> all right. Is, Got- Staff- is Stafford going to like hand him the ball and then he's going to run into the end zone? Hmm. Interesting strategy there. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, uh, let's predict the MVB. Who's going to be the MVB uh, when it's all said and done? I'm real curious of who's on your radar. And Nick, I'll go to you first. All right, I know you guys don't have this player, but I think the MVB in this game is going to be Bilal Nichols. Uh, Last time he played Stafford, he picked him off at Soldier Field. We all remember that, but I think he's just in store for – a big season it would help if he definitely had eddie goldman in the middle there but in the three games and i will say this in three games they played the rams zero sacks i think that's going to change i think this is a big year for Bilal nichols who's going to eventually i think just take over for akeem hicks when they're kind of thinking about the, that contract negotiation but and look it's not a favorable matchup that he has against left guard david edwards but we need to see nichols show up in these primetime games like We've seen Akeem Hicks and Cleo Mack and those kind of guys because it's. I think it's Bilal Nichols' year. So MVB when it's all said and done, Bilal Nichols. I like it. Mason, how about you? I had David Montgomery as my MVP simply because I, with all the chatter that's been going on this last year into this year in terms of not running the ball enough, the kind of team that the Rams have where it's not a team that you can get pass happy with. I feel like in this game, Nagy will actually say, you know what, let's, let's try to pound the ball. Let's just see what happens with this. And wants, cause he, I think he wants to protect Dalton too. He wants Dalton to succeed. So having him go out there and throw 50 times and, you know, potentially getting hit by Aaron Donald, potentially getting picked off by Jalen Ramsey or uh, Rap, that, that safety who actually is pretty solid in coverage. You know, that's not what ultimately Nagy wants because then his hand's going to get forced a little bit more. Like he said, he wants uh, Andy Dalton to succeed and play as long as he can. So by committing to the run, he's going to be able to do that. And also Montgomery has shown that he's got he increased burst this year, right? The line, even though it's against questionable deep defenses, did do a little bit better rushing at the, uh, last year. So, you know, if he, the Bears have any chance of winning, it's going to be because Montgomery had a good game. All right. I'm going to go with Nick on defense, but I'm going to go with Khalil Mack and take the easy one because it's a primetime game. We're kicking off the season. I'm sure Mack's ready to, uh, you know, hit some people, get angry, and just make some big-time plays and put this team on his back. And if the Bears want to come away with a victory, we're going to need our playmakers on both sides of the ball to come away with plays, and I can't think of many better in the games to do it than a Khalil Mack. Roquan Smith was a very close second for me, but I feel like Mack is going to have a bigger opportunity to make some impact plays in a Roquan Smith. I have a hunch LA is going to try to stay away from Roquan as much. I know teams have also been successful of trying to keep Khalil Mack out of a game plan too, but let's see what Tron Desai has up his sleeve, what kind of wrinkles he has, and how can this Bears new rotation outside linebacker and retooled front uh, for this defensive line kind of help uh, Khalil Mack. So I'm hoping that he will be our MVB uh, when it's all said and done. And guys, it's time for our first game picks of the season. We're all 
zero and zero. And I'm going to come up with a cool little graphic for a leaderboard uh, starting next week on this graphic uh, for this segment. Uh, so what's going to be your first official game pick of the year? I need to know the winner, and I need to know what you believe the final score will be. And Mason, since you're going to be new to the panel officially as a game preview host at this stage compared to last year, you're up first. I'm going to go with, I'm going to drink the Kool-Aid at least for one week. I'll get, I'm going to get serious again next week. I'm going to drink Kool-Aid one week. Bears 30, Rams 26, in a game very reminiscent of last year's Bears-Falcons game when a quarterback came in at the end of the game to lead them to a victory. All right, that's a that's a fun one to kind of start off the year. Nick, are you uh, dipping into Mason's jar of Kool Aid or not so much? No, I'm, I'm kind of staying away from the jar. It's it's Rams are going to win this game, and I have them 27 to 20. And I I just looked at how the Bears one obviously have done against the Rams previously, but just in week one home, just week one games in general, outside of last year's win against Detroit, that 27 to 23 win. The last time the Bears won week one was back in 2013 against Cincinnati when it was a 24-21 win. So it's been a while. And the Bears the Bears should have lost against Detroit because DeAndre Swift can't catch. So I have the Bears losing 27-20 to Rams win. Okay. Uh, I'm unfortunately with Nick here uh, just looking at everything and all the question marks that I have right now. I'm not confident enough to say, yes, the Bears will win. Although, uh, as we've talked about throughout the show, there are ways that they can. Just don't know if they'll get there. Uh, my final score is Rams 24, Bears 21, uh, a closer game. Uh, I was debating if we were going to have a Dalton fourth quarter comeback here, uh, which would have him surpass Jay Cutler. He tied Tony Romo and Russell Wilson if he ended up doing one of those uh, right now on the all-time leaderboard list, but not this week. And it's just a tough matchup on every phase, every level. And this is a Bears team that I think will have to take some time to find its identity, unfortunately, like we saw uh, last year. And luckily, maybe we can figure it out sooner rather than later. So uh, for me, Rams win this one. And honestly, Mason, I hope you're right. And you just start taking this leaderboard by storm. And you start off 1-0. And Nick and I have to play catch up for the remaining portion of the season. I really do. Like I said, it's... It's not realistic. If you had me putting real money down and I was going on BetUS and using that amazing Chicago 125 promo code for that sign-up bonus, I probably wouldn't be putting it there. But that's just, I mean, why not? One week. Be, let's be fun. I like it. Let's be fun and uh, kind of wrap things up. Let's give up our confident meter just real quick. Uh, Mason, since you had the Bears winning, what, where's your confidence, though? <laughs> See, that's where it doesn't match up whatsoever i'm gonna be honest like my compass meter is a four and a half <laughs> like it's not i'm not confident in this team whatsoever for all the reasons you guys just said well i think you highlighted it perfectly they're just there hasn't been a history supporting them doing well this game there isn't history for andy dalton specifically there isn't any history for the bears offense the, the bears defense is older than it was there's so many question marks we haven't seen what they can do I mean, this is just such a shot in the dark for this team compared to a Rams team that, yes, they've had changes on defense, but that offense is more or less the same. Sean McVay is someone who can be a coach of the year every single year at this point. You know, that defense is, I mean, uh, Raheem Morris is a great defensive mind. He's not someone that I'm worried about. It, 
there's not a lot to be very confident in again unless all of a sudden you just have these pipe dreams that uh there will be a, a quarterback change or that all of a sudden Andy Dalton finds a spark that is questionably there all right I'm under a five as well uh, I'm at about a 4.8 uh I'm not gonna dive into a ton of specifics I think we did a great job throughout the entire episode doing that uh, I'll just preface it with saying it's week one anything can happen seen crazier upsets happen uh, and on top of that, again, there's just so many question marks. We have not seen the Bears, uh, really, their whole starting offense yet. We've seen Andy Dalton play with backups. We've, like he said, uh, Mason, what, Mooney had coffee for a play once during the preseason. Like, we have not seen this whole team really play as a unit just yet. So there's just so many question marks, specifically the offensive line and our secondary. And if both of those end up going south, it's going to be a long night. So keeping it short, but that's, those are the big reasons why I'm not as confident as I wish I was heading into this week one matchup. And Nick, I'll let you wrap things up with your confidence meter, your first of the 2021 season. Yeah, it's at an eight that the Bears will lose and the Rams will win. So <laughs> I kind of, I, I redid it there. So the Rams are just a better team. We already displayed all the reasons why, especially at this stage week one too. Maybe if this matchup were to happen later in the season, where we know a little, we have more answers to all the questions that Mason was just talking about, then maybe I'd be a little bit differently. But no, this is not going to end well for the Bears. And I'm an eight that the Bears will lose and the Rams will win. Okay, so that means you're a two. Yeah, so if you want to do the reverse, that's exactly where I'm at. Just wanted to make sure uh, to get it on record. But as I said, it's week one, so a big win or a tough loss really doesn't mean much for the rest of the year. I mean, it means a lot for playoff contention and wins and losses, but don't get too high. Don't get too low after the fact. The season's a marathon, uh, but we're going to learn some lessons uh, here week one and how close the Bears are uh, to some of the top talent here in the NFC, again, at least at week one. But that's going to do it, Bears fans. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Chicago Audible. Uh, if you like the show, please take a moment to rate, review us over on Apple Podcasts. And if you're watching the video here on YouTube, uh, take a moment to give the video a like and subscribe to the channel. That way you never miss an episode like yesterday's episode, our interview with Devin Hester. Up next, we'll be live immediately after the game on Sunday night. Will we be discussing a 1-0 Bears team for the second time in two years, or will we be breaking down a loss to start off the season? Uh, we'll find out soon, but until next time, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.